Welcome to the CGOE Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we chat with Jamie Thomas, Jets radio analyst, about the good run the Jets are on right now. And also, we talk to the president of the Winnipeg Sea Bears, Jason Smith. And we learn more about what are the Winnipeg Sea Bears. That's all coming up on the podcast. Jamie Thomas joins us now on the CGOB Sports Show. Jamie, don't worry about it. It's okay. Things happen. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> like, part of your, you have one job and show up at your allotted time frame on the uh, sports show at 7.35. I thought that's not that hard, right? It's okay. We got <laughs> Thanks, you now. Buddy. I appreciate it. I appreciate uh, so, your support. Yeah, no problem. So let's just go back to last night. And the five nothing win. I'm sure you thought the Jets could win that game, but were you expecting such a comprehensive performance? Uh, like, just because what I've seen, like Colorado finds a way. <laughs> just, oh, I know the Jets have beat them twice this year, but we still have to marvel at the fact that you no know, Gabriel Landeskog, no Valerie Nachushkin, and they're still sitting there hanging around for second spot in the Central Division. So I figured the Jets were in a great position, considering how well they've been playing. Um, how well they played on home ice. Um, but I didn't think, as you said, comprehensive, complete. Um, there's many ways to describe the way they played last night. They gave, you know, they, they made Connor Hellebach earn his, the, the shutout right at the end. It got a little too close for my likings uh, right with, with that last save that he had to make under with under a minute left. But, man, like overall, you have to love everything that happened last night. And the power play gets going. They shut down Colorado's power play. There's just a lot of ways to describe the ways that you liked that game last night. And it's just a continuation of how well they've been playing um, outside of that little rift that they had in St. Paul, uh, Minneapolis, and uh, bounced back from that and played very well ever since. Last night we saw the the big guns get it done. We've seen a lot of depth help in recent mm-hmm. games. But last night it was the stars with the, the carrier. Let's just start with the second star of the week, Josh Morrissey. Mm-hmm. How have you v- viewed his development this year his explosion this year i mean did you see this kind of season coming from josh morrissey i i i saw like you, you knew he's gonna be the number one defenseman there's no question about, in terms of offense but not like this and this is no slight to josh morrissey the the course the the depth chart has always been loaded with who's the, the people in front of him you know dustin bufflin hoarded the number one power play unit for a long time and neil pionk when he came here uh, the beginning of our part of after being traded kind of took that number one power play spot. But the way that Rick Bonus has the defense jumping into the play and the, and some credit has to be given to the forwards, allowing Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk and Nate Schmidt. And I go down the list of all the Jets defensemen. When they jump up in the play, there's guys, the forwards recognizing it and getting back. But outside of that and the new system and everything's working, this is just an incredible start to the season for Josh Morrissey. And, you know, the, the, we know he's a great skater, but the way he broke away from Jason Robertson in Dallas in overtime, the overtime goal against Carolina, the, the, these are things we haven't seen from him, right? And, and this is the system that the Jets are running right now, and that's allowed the defensemen this, this opportunity and this freedom to, do, to make these choices jump up into the play. Well, like credit has to be given to Josh Morrissey too for taking advantage of when those opportunities present themselves and being the sniper that he is and getting the points that he's getting right now. It's an electric start. Uh, if it, it keeps up, I mean, the, that conversation that he had with Rick Bonus having his name in the top 10 at least of the Norris Trophy conversation is well on its way to coming to fruition too. So uh, to answer your question, I didn't see this. I figured the numbers would be up there. 
Uh, you know, I remember Rick Bonus saying, and I'm sure everybody else does, that he wants at least 40 goals from the defense. Um, <laughs> they're well on their way to get into that um, before, you know, faster than I thought that was going to happen as well. So it's 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 tremendous, it's exciting, and it couldn't happen to a better person and, and, a, and a fantastic player in, than, than it is for Josh Morrissey right now. How much of the development of his offensive game, and how much do you think the play of this team can really be traced to the coaching change? Do you think it's just the number one reason? Yeah, it, like this is, it's funny because, you know, you, you hear about Pete DeBoer, and I remember when, we first, when the Jets first went to Dallas back in October, and they're saying, okay, well, there's so so much more free in the defense. are allowed to jump up in the play. I'm like, isn't it the same system? You're just running under Rick Bonus too, so... I, I, as Rick Bonus says, the players play, so it's it's on it's on their shoulders too. But I don't, you know, the Jets had the freedom before under Paul Maurice and the last the last coaching staff to be aggressive, but I don't think it was this aggressive. Um, so some credit has to be given there, but the players have to execute too. And those, the system is there; it's there for them to succeed and for them to 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 get into the offensive zone and. Um, create scoring opportunities, but they have to execute, they have to score, and they have to create the offense to get the assist that Josh Morris is getting as well. So I think you know, some of this is, a big chunk of this is on the, is with the coaching staff and the system they put in place and the belief that they've put in players' minds. Um, when you have that belief system, from, and I'm not saying this wasn't from the last group either, I'm just going with the current group, the, the, the where we are sitting right now today, to have somebody believe in you and speak with you that way and say that you have that, that ability and we, that we want to see that come out in you. Uh, I think so to have that backing and then to be able to go out there and then to have the system to be able to do it. I think so the coaches do deserve some credit, but the defenseman and in particular, Josh Morris, he has to be given uh, more than uh, enough of his fair share of the credit because he's been the one executing the plays and, and scoring when the opportunities have presented themselves. Is it just scoring for Morrissey, or have you seen his defensive game improve too? Oh, well, I think what 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 has happened here too is the Jets are more on the attack than they are on the defense of two, right? So that 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 helps in that aspect in defending because if you if you're in the other end, it's pretty hard for the other team to do that too. He still has his matchups against the other team's best line on most nights too. Um, there's no question about his defending. I, I don't think I've ever had a problem with Josh Morrissey in the defensive end of things and. Um, the one part now is it's more offense than we were expecting. So I think the Jets as a whole are defending better. Clearly, the numbers are saying it's, it's all there. It's standing right in front of us. And I'm not even talking about analytics. I'm just talking about the flat-out numbers. Um, goals against average are down. And um, opportunities off the rush from the opposition is down. Like, there's just – I mean, it's all, the whole team as a whole is playing better. So – Josh Morrissey is a, is a big part of it. But, yeah, that's, again, he's he's playing well on his own end. He's defending well. But I think they're spending a lot more time on the other end, and that is playing a large role in the, in the, the goals against going down, too. All right. Looking at the forward groupings, Cole, uh, Cole Perfetti mm-hmm. skating now with Blake Wheeler and Mark Scheifele. It's been a limited yep. sample size. But it seems the early returns are good for that threesome, don't you think? Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you because I, I like the idea coming out of camp with Dubois and Wheeler, two big bodies to give Cole Perfetti room as he grows into an everyday NHL player. And uh, if you're not going to be able to find space with those two guys out there as well, it's 
it's it's pretty it's not going to work for him. And I think he's done that. Um, but the, the early returns on Shif- and Shifley and Wheeler, we knew they've done this before. There's there's no question about the chemistry and the understanding of what each other does well and where you have to be. But Cole Perfetti's reading off this just as well. And the fact that you know Mark Shifley sits beside Cole Perfetti in the dressing room, they they have constant conversation. There's constant dialogue there. Cole Perfetti's open to the information that's being given to him by the, the veteran players, the Winnipeg Jets too. So I think, you know, right now it, it, it looks great. And, you know, two similar players, I guess, in some ways with Cole Perfetti and Mark Sheffield, obviously Mark Sheffield, a bigger player, but that same mm-hmm. hockey sense is there. Um, Cole Perfetti is finding the spots where he has to go um, to get the puck from either Blake Wheeler and, and Mark Shifley. And he's, he's made it happen. Um, and credit has to be given to him. He had a tough shift. Uh, in, in St. Paul against the Minnesota Wild, he sat for a while, saw some video afterwards, and has been fantastic ever since. And he's going to have tough nights that, like that in the National Hockey League, as anybody does when they're when they're learning the game and the system they have to play, and they have to bring it every single night. Um, but credit has to be given to him, too, from bouncing back from that and playing very well and slotting in nicely alongside Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. They've been, they've been electric, and I think that's the best way to describe them so far. And it just feels like... There's so many places this this line can go, and but Rick Bonus has been clear about this. Don't get comfortable, and you know we, what what's working now might not work in a week, and uh, he'll be shuffling the lines up again. But right now, this this combination is working, and it's working so well. Looking at the wing of Dubois and Connor, there's been a carousel of auditions there, really, yeah. since Mason Appleton went down. Yeah, uh, what do we think of? the options they have there right now, Morgan Barron played there last night. What do yeah. you think the plan should be Friday and then going forward as they wait for Ehlers to get better? Well, I think still that, you know, Axel Janssen, he'll be found his way back there again. And I think that's just, you know, a lot of expectations for Morgan Barron, just the second game back. And he looked comfortable in his, that first game against Chicago. I uh, just had a hard time, I think, keeping up. Um, and that's to be expected. Uh, in just your second game back and trying to figure out where Connor Dubois are going. Connor Dubois, like Peter Dubois is so good at just drawing two players towards him. And then Kyle Connor knows where he has to go when those two, two fenders go to Piero Dubois and vice versa. That next player, that next, the guy that is going to be playing there on the right side has to figure that out as well. And that's not going to happen overnight. So I, I, in, in a pressure, in a speed situation, uh, I like Axel Janssen Fialbi because of, of what he provides. He's hard on the he's hard on the puck. Just another guy to get it out and get it to Dubois and Connor. But I don't think you should give. I don't think they're going to give up on Morgan Barron yet either. And Rick Bonus was clear that he feels that Morgan Barron is a top six forward right now for this team. So I I, I, I don't have a problem with either one of them. But right now, Axel Janssen Fialbi has been more effective. Um, but I don't think it's going to be long until Morgan Barron gets up to speed here right away. What have you thought of Mikey Asimont's play? Oh my gosh. Like you, he's so quiet when he comes up, right? And but then you get to know him a little bit, but this just the no fear style, the crashing and banging is just, just a perfect compliment to any line. And the fact that they've rewarded him with some power play time in the second unit is, is great, but he's in the face of anybody. He's, he's hard. Like another guy that's hard on the puck, right? It's just when, when he's on the ice, something happens. And there was a, a stretch there where the jets were in the offensive zone and not much was happening. That has kind of changed now, and um, it's the moose line right now with uh, Gustafson and, and Harkins. But I'm I'm loving everything that I've seen from Mikey Asimov so so far, and it's just really hard to picture 
um, him going down whenever the Jets get healthy. We're, we're a long ways from that. Nikolai Ehlers is quite a ways from getting back right now. So I think Mikey Asimov is going to get a long, hard look here. And uh, after leading the Moose in scoring last year, I think he's, he's deserved this opportunity and he's, he's running with it. You, you're starting to see he's becoming more confident in every game. And that's, that's just such great news and a depth situation where when it's not working for the top six forward group, you know, the bottom six has been plugging through and coming through, especially when they do in the road, when there's last change and you're going to need that from your bottom six. And Mikey Asimov has been providing that and then some, and maybe at some point, if, you know, Morgan Barron and, and actually Janssen Fialbi don't get the right fit with Connor and Dubois, maybe at some point you get a look at Mikey Asimov up there as well. But uh, that's that we're a bit away from there because it just feels like they're going to stick with those first two options. But I, I don't see that being a bad thing if Mikey Asimov gets a shot up there as well. And no conversation about the Jets can be complete without mentioning Connor Hallibuck playing the best <laughs> hockey of his life right now. Uh, oh my God! I, listen, I think it's it's hard to throw that up there. Like I think this is most consistent, but the way he played because of the lack of the lack of defense. Well, the Jets were going through you know when the, the you know the departure, the exit, mass exodus of NHL quality defensemen left town, and uh, with the retirement of Dustin Bufflin and so on and so forth. I think that year when you especially when you won the Vezina, he's absolutely brilliant. But this one is. This one feels different. Um, you know, there's that save he made in Dallas uh, when the, the Stars are on the power play of the paddle. You know, that's rare where he is has is forced to make that type of save because he's always in position. Um, but, man, this, this, this pace he's on right now, the play he's on right now is exactly what you thought. And, you know, you can't tell me that you weren't thinking of he plays just a little bit better. The Jets will be better. And he's actually played a lot better than last year and uh it's he's it's stunning it's it's what we've expected from him over the years and a little blip last year but that's i think that you can say that about everybody in the entire organization now that he's had now he's getting support from all all parts of of the lineup in terms of the the play they're the playing their own end and you know not giving up those rush chances and those odd man rushes i think he's he's taking he's running with it right now and enjoying the support but He's had to make some big saves at key times, and he continues to do that on a nightly basis. He's, he's been fantastic. Jamie, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this. We'll see you at the game Friday. And, right. uh, again, better late than never. <laughs> Listen, just put on the Christmas card. Thanks, buddy. Earlier this month, we learned that Winnipeg would be getting a pro basketball team in the Canadian Elite Basketball League to start play in 2023 we didn't really know anything about them that changed earlier today though with the launch of the winnipeg sea bears to learn more about the team the name how things are going to work i had a chat with the president of the sea bears jason smith earlier today and we started by diving into the origins of that name uh sure yeah we so we um initially started talking about uh, polar bear obviously winnipeg manitoba and polar bears synonymous with uh, the province uh, the north a lot of those things. And then actually uh, our team owner, David Asper, was at an event at the Journey to Churchill and uh, went home and was doing some research about polar bears and uh, a lot of really interesting facts about them. One of them, their Latin name is actually Ursus Maritimus, which means technically maritime bear or sea bear. So we did a little research into that. It turns out, uh, well, one thing we think is interesting is that a lot of people forget that Manitoba, while it's a middle of the prairies province, we actually are a coastal uh, t- coastal province because the Hudson's Bay is right on the Arctic Ocean. 
And the bears spend the majority of their time in the water, which is very unusual for bears as well. Uh, so we, we liked all those facts and we thought it was, would be kind of fun to maybe switch it up from the polar bear and call it the sea bears. So that's sort of the, the brief notes of how we got to that decision there. And it's got obviously geographical connotations to Manitoba, but also polar bears are, uh, I mean, they're pretty aggressive and apex species too. And on you know, trying to make the sports connection, if you're a polar bear on a basketball court, you're probably tough to deal with. <laughs> yeah. That would be true, yeah. And uh, if you've seen the other uh, mascots of the CEBL, we can literally, our mascot can literally eat all of them probably <laughs> in one afternoon. So, uh, yeah, there's certainly some uh, some subtle uh, passive aggressivity in there as well to get the biggest, toughest predator out there to be our mascot. Take us through the timeline of how we've arrived at this today and where we're at going forward to getting the team on the court in 2023. Yeah, sure. Good question. Uh, so, you know, we actually didn't start that long ago. Uh, as I mentioned, David Asper uh, was in connection, contact with the league. The CABL has basically grown to pretty much every major city across the country, and Winnipeg was a target for them. They had been looking for someone here that might be able to uh, or might be interested in bringing the franchise here. Uh, David and the league hooked up uh, earlier this year. Uh, and to keep it brief, we did some uh, we did some due diligence through the summer just to make sure that uh, we would be able to support a team and find a place to play, all of that. But um, it's been a pretty quick turnaround. So where we are today, obviously, a franchise got secured and launched um, today. And uh, now we have about four and a half, five months to get organized before the team starts playing in the 2023 season. Uh, which will kick off in about the third week of May. So a bit of a tight turnaround, but we really wanted to get going. We didn't want to, you know, then we'd have to wait to wait until 2024. It just seemed too far away for us. So we sort of picked uh, the lesser of those two evils as far as getting this underway and getting going. But yeah, we're going to have to hustle to get to get us onto the court in time uh, either way. So where will he be playing? We're going to play at Canada Life Center, actually. Oh, wow. We're uh, we're excited, uh, yeah, True North. Um, we went and met with them and talked about the possibilities of playing. Obviously, as a professional franchise, our goal was to get uh, not only to the center of the city, which I think is great, because, uh, uh, you know, uh, easier for most folks to get to Canada Life Center from pretty much uh, anywhere. Keeps us closer to a lot, I think, the communities and uh, the people that are going to be interested in this. But obviously, also, we are the only team now in the CEBL in Canada that's playing in an NHL arena, uh, which is pretty commonplace, obviously, in the NBA and the G League. So we're pretty excited about the possibilities we have now to put together a really high-caliber, high top-level game day experience for fans that come to a game. Uh, it should feel a lot like an NBA game because we'll have all of the bells and whistles that, um, you know, that an NHL arena and a, and a place like Canada Life Centre can provide. So you need to field a team now. Where does the talent pool come from for the Canadian Elite Basketball League? Uh, so it's a predominantly Canadian league. Similar to the CFL, there you have to have a certain number of Canadians that are on the team, uh, 70%. But then uh, for after that, uh, and actually to say too, those Canadian players uh, are all of them currently, uh, or many of them are playing around the world in American college system. European professional league. Some of them are in the G league in the United States. So, uh, but uh, the teams have to have a certain ratio of Canadian uh, talent on the team. 
uh, and then you can fill out the rest of your roster with um, American and international players. And I said, again, they all pretty much, uh, this is a summer league typically populated by guys who are uh, sort of one step below or have had some experience in the NBA and they want to play through the summer to continue improving, to hopefully get scouted. Uh, after last season, for example, uh, 10 players that were played in the CBL uh, were given NBA contracts to play in this this fall's NBA season. So you can, from that set, we can tell the talent pool is pretty close to the on the bubble there to getting to NBA level. Um, and one of the benefits of us playing through the summer is that we can attract some of that talent uh, that would otherwise be playing, as I said, in the G League or in the, in a European professional leagues or in colleges in the United States. So why did you want to get involved in bringing a, a pro basketball team to Winnipeg? Uh, well, I myself do, I do a lot of this. I mean, not specifically this, but I have uh, worked on major events for years to the Grey Cup when it was here to the Heritage Classic. I do the whiteout parties for the Jets. Uh, so I've been a large event producer, um, most often related to sports for the last 10 years. Uh, and so I had met David, uh, David Asper was the chair of the Grey Cup committee when I was the producer of the Grey Cup. So we met and uh, spent a lot of time together uh, coming up with the concepts and building out the framework for the Grey Cup when it was here in 2014, 2015. And so uh, he just came back when he became interested in this. He came back and asked me if I would help him with the due diligence part, the sort of seeing where we could play and how it work and is it feasible. And uh, we just both got really immersed in it. It's uh, it's actually a really, a really fun league. Uh, the basketball is great. And it's uh, obviously something that I enjoy doing is putting on these big events, which really, when you think about it, you know, running something like this, really, we're just going to do 10 giant events with basketball in the middle of them, which is in my wheelhouse. So it just seemed like a really exciting uh, opportunity. And I was flattered when David asked if I would carry on after the summer. So, yeah, I'm super excited and I'm looking forward to getting to next summer and seeing this basketball start happening. So what are the uniforms going to look like? What's the color scheme that you've chosen for these? Uh, the color scheme, you can actually see uh, the colors at seabears.ca, uh, uh, but they're, it's teal, white, and black. It's basically a polar bear, so the, the bear itself is white. Uh, there's some black uh, shadowing and lines around it to frame it, and then the teal intended to be sort of the ocean, Arctic ocean water around the bear. Uh, so those are the, the, that's the, the uh, color scheme or where the color palette came from with sort of the natural elements around the polar bear. And I said, yeah, you can see the, uh, the logo itself at seabears.ca. Uh, In terms of uh, where the Canadian Elite Basketball League is at right now, what has been the, the turnout? What's been the fan engagement through the first few years of its existence? Uh, well, it's actually been, I think, quite remarkable considering that uh, they, were, they had a season then they had a couple of years in COVID. They're actually the first professional team to uh, return to play in a bubble. Uh, they did that uh, through their 2020 season. They played their 2021 season um, in uh, predominantly in a bubble as well. So, and they've still had um, 
they now get regularly sort of three to 5,000 people, depending on the market and the team. Uh, they've now, this is the 10th team they've grown it to now, uh, which will mean that they'll go to an East-West conference model. So uh, Winnipeg will play in a conference with uh, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, and Saskatchewan. And then there'll be an Eastern conference. So they're up to 10 teams. They've grown. They're pretty consistently um, uh, growing as we speak. They have a game of the week on CBC, which had quite solid viewing numbers. So uh, in the five years they've been doing this, they've uh, had pretty rapid expansion. And the buy-in has been really solid so far. So, And we've seen actually really, uh, to that point, really uh, a lot of excitement here since we started talking about basketball in Manitoba. There's a lot of people that uh, I think <laughs> some that remember back to the days of the Thunder and uh, recall how much fun it was to go to basketball games then. And then there's a whole new crop of people, you know, Filipino Basketball Association, for example, has uh, over 100 teams, over 1,000 people playing in that league alone. So there's just a real groundswell, I think, of support for basketball in general. And the CEBL is at the forefront of that. They're, they're the largest uh, and most popular basketball league in Canada at the moment. So, so it should be good. And just a reminder, when does the season start? Uh, season starts, training camp is mid-May, and then the season starts uh, about the third week of May and runs through the summer uh, to basically middle of August for championship weekend. There'll be 10 home games here in Winnipeg across the summer. And uh, do you know yet when tickets are going to go on sale? My understanding is, I don't want to put a date, hard date on it, but uh, at the moment it appears to be uh, around third week of January. The schedule, I mean, right now you can actually put it, you can put a $50 deposit down and reserve your seat, which means you'll be first in line to pick seats. Uh, if you're you know, excited about getting a courtside seat or some of those more, uh, the, the sort of ones we have fewer inventory of. Uh, and then the league will announce the schedule in the, around the third week of January. And that's when the single season or single game seats will go on sale. Uh, once we know when all the games are. And just finally, what have, what's been the feedback you've heard today since you've announced the, the name, the logo, what, what have you heard from people? Uh, well, people love the bear. The people love polar bears. The bear itself, I think, is really cute. We have had a lot of really positive feedback uh, so far. You know, I mean, it's early days. Uh, so still getting out. As I said, it's, I've we announced it, and I've sort of seen the people around the immediate event and all that. But so far, it's been extremely positive, And people are just really excited, I think, to have basketball here and uh, have a team to root for. And, yeah, the feedback's been really positive so far. Awesome, Jason. Well, thanks for your time today. Appreciate this. Best of luck with everything, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you again in the new year. That's great. I really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for having me. Winnipeg Sea Bears President Jason Smith. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that they should come to this. We try to warn you all.